0: This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who, in some way, shape, or form, have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life.
1: This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories.
0: We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share, or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode.
1: So last summer we brought some new people out to the Boundary Waters for the first time, and we did that again this summer with some different people. This time we brought out Andy's nephew, Nolan, and his friend Kayla, for their very first time in the Boundary Waters. And we had an amazing time. They did so well. And they'll probably end up going back. I mean, everybody had a really positive experience. And we just love being able to bring people out for their first time. And especially for us, like just going with new people is an experience in itself. Because this was our fourth time up there. But Every experience for Andy and I is different when you go with different people because people have different reactions and different experiences. And when you go to different lakes and do different portages, it's always different. So I think every trip to the Boundary Waters is unique in its own way.
0: It was really, really fun to bring some of my family up there and just really get their perspective on their first time up there And just seeing another group of first-timers reactions in this amazing wilderness. So, as Sarah said, Nolan's my nephew. And he reached out to me, actually, and said, Hey, I'm planning to do this Boundary Waters trip, and I really want to go up there, but I could use some help. Are you and Sarah open to helping us plan? And I said, Hey, we'll go up there with you. And he said, Yeah, that would be great. So it was a great opportunity for me and Sarah then to pass on some of our knowledge and some of what we've learned up there, as well as just getting some more experience in in helping people make their desire to get out and try new things out in the wilderness, make that desire a reality. And I think that's one thing Sarah and I really, really enjoy about what we're doing with hiking through life and kind of our goals with hiking through life is making it less intimidating for people that may not have all of the skills, gear, knowledge, and encouraging them to get out there and to adventure. And one of the things that we want to do is inspire and also help educate and prepare them for that.
1: Definitely. It's just kind of giving people that bridge to show that you can go out and do this, but a lot of people are just a little intimidated to do it themselves. I mean, I know I was intimidated to go out in the wilderness by myself for the first time on a backpacking trip, and that's why I went with a group through REI. So we love giving those experiences to people. Um, Our route itself was a fairly simple route, but it was still challenging with some of the waves we had and the wind.
0: Yeah, it was a fairly windy trip overall. We started out at Rockwood Lodge, actually. They were great. Nolan and Kayla rented a canoe from them and we stayed there the night before in their bunkhouse and it was a great experience. They're great people there. They helped us out with all of the gear we needed. I mean, we didn't really need much, but they have everything that you do need if you do go on a trip and need to rent some equipment. They also help you out with if you need some help with the food and stuff like that. I mean, I know this situation with the COVID and stuff this year was a little bit different, but they have the the bunkhouse, like I said, that we took advantage of and stayed the night before. We ended up driving up on a Wednesday afternoon, getting there, kind of later, after we stopped in, in Duluth. We got there later at night, which is fine. I mean, they, they set it up at Rockwood where you can kind of check in whenever at night. So if you get up there super late, they have all the information on a piece of paper ready for you. Super easy. So we started out the next day on Thursday paddling from Poplar Lake, and it's really nice because... Rockwood is right on the lake, so you can just launch your canoe right from their beach. And we paddled across Poplar and entered at our entry point of Liz Lake. And this is one that Sarah and I have actually done before. On our very first Boundary Waters trip, we used the Liz Lake entry point. So we did something with Kaylin Nolan where we decided it would be cool to camp on an island site on Meads Lake. So we went to Meads our very first day We camped at this island site that Sarah and I did our very first year, and it was a really nice site on the western side of this island. did get a little windy um, with this wind coming from the west, because the campsite itself is a little elevated on the island, at least where the fire grate is. So it's got a beautiful view of the sunset, though. Beautiful view. The waves on Meads were a little rough.
1: Yeah, they were rough. It brought back memories of one of our other trips where you're just paddling and paddling and you feel like you're not really making much progress because you feel like the waves just keep pushing you back and the wind keeps pushing you back. But you truly are making progress. But when you're in that moment, it feels like one of the worst things ever. But those are the moments that you look back on and you're like, oh my gosh, I survived that. That was incredible. I want more of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it was kind of a little bit of a uh, throwing the first timers into their, you know, a little bit rougher of an experience than we probably hoped for. But I mean, luckily both of them had canoed before and had a little bit of paddling experience. So we decided that, you know, we weren't going to go fishing because it was getting windier as the afternoon and evening went on. So we kind of just sat around camp a lot and got some firewood and just just enjoyed the scenery around us.
1: Yeah, and we got to camp really early that first day. I mean, I think we were at camp and set up by 1230. Yeah, so. it, was,
0: it was earlier. But, you know, as we mentioned, the waves were pretty rough, so we didn't really want to spend a whole lot more time on the water.
1: No, we were tired, and I think that we all just kind of, like, chilled the rest of the day, and it was exactly what we needed.
0: Yeah, and originally we were going to just kind of base camp there the whole three days that we were up there, or four days, actually, and we decided, you know we would get to the first night's camp and then really kind of decide if we wanted to do more there was this shorter loop that i had kind of mapped out for us and i said you know what if we are up for it we can do this little loop we'd be changing campsites every night which is a fun experience especially for people that haven't experienced the boundary waters before you get to see a little bit more And you get a little bit more of that adventurous type of Boundary Waters experience instead of a base camp and then, you know, exploring from there. But we decided to maybe do the base camp because Sarah is pregnant this year and we just didn't want to go too far in and do too much. We didn't know, you know, Sarah, you didn't know how exactly you were going to be feeling out there.
1: Yeah, it was, I was definitely hesitant about my body and where it would be at with portaging and being pregnant. And not to mention just bringing first timers out. You never know how they're going to react to their first time. But I know even me, experienced person, we were definitely cautious of that.
0: Yeah. And just for safety things too, like we didn't want to get too deep into the boundary waters in case complications did arise we wanted to be within like a day's paddle uh, out so we could get out and back to the lodge if needed within a day so we assessed ourselves you know that night and said you know what we feel like we can do it like we feel like we can paddle more and they were all good with tearing down camp each morning setting it back up So it was great. We got to do this little loop and the loop took us the next day from Meads and we portaged a couple portages and eventually got to Pillsbury Lake and we camped on Pillsbury Lake. So overall it was a fairly short day again paddling. We had a couple longer portages, um, longer for the first timers, maybe not long for portages overall but for us I think the portages were 95 and 110 rods each so it was a good experience I think that for first timers getting kind of that that overall picture doing a couple short portages doing a couple kind of longer ones you know paddling in various conditions it was definitely the full experience that they got and this site on Pillsbury was pretty cool and I think Sarah mentioned something about this in our fire talk chats coming up here about why she really liked the site. Pillsbury is more of a narrow small lake so the wind on it was kind of negligible like it didn't really affect the the water itself you know there was a little bit of a current with the wind but Not as bad as meads. So that evening we did do some fishing. Um, We did catch some fish, but we decided to throw them back because they were on the smaller side. You know, if it was the last night, we probably would have kept them and ate them, but we thought, you know, they were biting pretty decent in the evening. So we thought, you know, we'll go for the bigger ones. It just, it didn't happen though. All of a sudden they just stopped biting. So we didn't have any fish for dinner that night. We had some some fun time at the fire that night, and then we proceeded on the next day to Horseshoe Lake, and we were trying to find a site on Horseshoe Lake. Everything that we wanted was full. We didn't want to paddle further south towards the other arm of Horseshoe, where there were some more campsites, because that was the opposite direction that we needed to go the next day to get out of the Boundary Waters. So we decided to do this really short 20 if that rod portage to Caribou and we knew there was a bunch of campsites on Caribou and one of them had to be open so we ended up camping on Caribou that night. It was a nice site, pretty open on the north side of Caribou Lake. It was a pretty calm evening relative to the previous nights on the trip so we did do some fishing again. We just we didn't catch anything, though. We got skunked that night.
1: Yeah, but we still had a really nice night overall. Chilly night, but good stargazing.
0: Yeah. And some good moose sightings, too. Or what we thought were moose.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, in in our minds, we just really wanted to see one. So I, I kept just seeing mirages of moose that were like a tree trunk or a rock
0: Or shadows.
1: And then we would paddle closer and realized it wasn't moving at all.
0: And we even had binoculars too. And even with the binoculars from further out, we were like, I think that might be a moose. And I think it was, yeah, like you said, we just wanted to see one so bad that that our mind was constructing these moose that just weren't there.
1: Yeah, you just make it the truth in your mind, like in anything in life. When you want something really bad, you might just trick yourself into believing it.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, unfortunately, we did not see any moose that trip. We saw some some prints and signs of moose on the portages. But... Yeah,
1: on almost every portage, we were seeing signs of moose. So I was so confident it was going to happen.
0: Unfortunately, no, though. But that last night, it it did rain pretty good. So when we woke up, there were puddles everywhere in the campsite and all of our stuff was wet. And actually that last day, even on the paddle out, it rained pretty, pretty significantly. And it was very cold. So by the time that we got back to Rockwood, which was uh, about three lakes away from where we were staying that night, we were freezing and ready to get out of our wet clothes, get into dry clothes and, and get on the way home. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And that's part of the experience too. We told the first timers and again, as like awful as those experiences can be, you look back and you're like, yeah, I survived that. That was great. And the second we got back to Rockwood, we were able to grab our clean clothes from the car. That's another great tip. Always have clean, dry clothes in your car for the end of a Boundary Waters trip. So we were all able to change and be dry and drive to our warm meal in Lutzen.
0: Yeah, with all the COVID stuff, everything up there was takeout. So, and there were still some restaurants and food places that were closed, so we were really hungry, but we couldn't necessarily find anything that was open that we wanted near Grand Marais or on the Gunflin Trail. So we ended up driving to Lutsen and getting some takeout there. And it was really good. It was really satisfying to get a burger and some fries after being in the Boundary Waters for four days.
1: Yeah. And freezing that morning. I mean, Andy's hands were just, he couldn't even feel his hands because the gloves were soaking wet.
0: It was pretty brutal. I mean, downpouring about 40 degrees, winds whipping, even on Poplar Lake, which is a fairly sizable lake compared to the ones that we were paddling on. It was pretty windy. And there was this open stretch where the wind was, was making some pretty significant waves again. And we had to kind of be on point with our paddling so we didn't capsize the canoe with the waves.
1: Yeah, and there was a family paddling back right in front of us, and they were even debating tying their canoes together because it was a mom and dad and two kids. So that was a little intimidating to see a family paddling across, but everyone got back safely.
0: Yeah, so be prepared for any and all weather up there, I think is what this comes down to too. And that's what we tell anyone that we do take up there. You know, bring a set of warmer clothes, even though it's the summer. You know, the nights can get pretty chilly up there. Bring a set of rain gear, because it will get wet up there at some point. And bring a set of dry clothes, too, for camp. So, with that said, we'll get into the Fire Talk chats that Sarah hosted. And this is our... Our little chat session that we do with the people that we do bring on camping trips and just to get their reaction and just to see how they feel about it, a little bit of what they learned and all of that. It's a good good reflection period of our trip.
1: So enjoy the chat and take notes for your next trip. Good evening and... Welcome to Fire Talk Chats with Hiking Through Life. Tonight, we're hanging out on Caribou Lake in the Boundary Waters. And it's a pretty sweet night because there's really good stars. It's night three of three of our Boundary Waters trip. And we brought Two first timers into the boundary waters, and it's been a really successful trip. I think that the most unsuccessful part is the fact that we did not catch any fish, unfortunately. But well, we did catch some, but it was catch and release, they were not fillet worthy, or so they thought. So we're here to share some most memorable moment of the trip and biggest lesson learned. And I will start by saying my biggest lesson learned on this trip starts at home. I need to check my sandals before I leave for Boundary Waters trips because I am stuck wearing my sandals that ripped last year on a portage and I remember when they ripped but I totally forgot to check them when we were packing. We just threw them in the car and then I had to portage in ripped sandals but We got to sew sandals, so Andy fixed one of them. I fixed another, so we can DIY things out here in the wilderness, no problem. So that's my lesson. Check your footwear, because portaging in broken sandals sucks. Most memorable moment, uh, last night we were on... Oh boy. What lake were we on last night, my friends? Pillsbury. Pillsbury Lake. And there was camp furniture. So cool. We got to sit around a table like civilized people. We got to put plates out and silverware out. I have a picture. And yeah, you can be super civilized out here in the wilderness. Super memorable. It was like a rock large flat rock that was the table then we all sat in our cute little canoe chairs around the table and it was just amazing and now we're gonna let a first timer nolan share or kayla can go first whoever would like
2: oh all right all right i got the microphone stand this is Nolan and Sarah is correct this is my first time question number one lesson learned yeah. uh we were kind of talking about it last night but lesson learned let me come back to that one <laughs>
3: <laughs> still learning
2: still learning still learning Um, But most memorable part of the weekend so far, definitely last night on Pillsbury Lake. At night, we were able to see a clear full moon and uh, Mars all within the same view from from our beautiful campsite, which did have furniture, did have table, but... But yeah, just being able to see the moon, I feel like I've never seen it like that. It was a perfect setting. We tried to get some pictures and it didn't really capture what it looked like. But it's something that I will never forget. So I feel like I don't need a picture of it because it stuck out that much to me. Back to the lesson learned. I feel like lesson learned could be pretty general. But, yeah, we did talk about it last night, but, like, just how simple life could be. So, like, going to the Boundary Waters is, like, probably the most bare minimal I've lived since I was born. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it's – you're – you only – I mean, you have to bring everything that you – or you have to carry everything that you have, so – You're not going to carry in any TVs. You're not going to carry in a bunch of other stuff. You just carry what you need, which boils down to, like, food, water, and shelter. So you walk into a campsite, and there's nothing there, and then a couple hours later you have everything set up that you need, and you can thrive there for however long you want to until you run out of food. But yeah, just just the simplicity of life. It's a general lesson learned. It's not like a situational lesson learned, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not like a torn sandal, but luckily, <laughs> luckily I haven't had any catastrophes. But it's more of just like a kind of like a wake up call, and yeah.
1: Wait, talk about the slippers. You learned that you want camp slippers.
2: Oh, yep actually so that was a nice cool warm lesson learned this next one's a very specific situational one but i i spent time buying these nice strap-in sandals and they're comfy they work great on portages but then you get back to camp and they're soaked and they don't dry for hours and i didn't bring anything else my lesson learned, folks, is I will be coming back to the Boundary Waters, and when I do, I will have a pair of camp slippers. Mandatory. It is on the necessities list. Not a want. Not a need. Well, need. <laughs> <laughs> Necessity. So, lesson learned. Life Simplicity of life, but also camp slippers are a must. And uh, that's pretty much it.
1: Best thing you ate.
2: Best thing I ate. It's hard to choose. But since we have another first timer that has to answer after me, I'll try (laughs) not to steal her answer by saying multiple things. But I'll have to go with the homemade beef jerky. I really hit the spot whenever you wanted it to because it was in the snack rations. But it was very tasty. I could name a couple other things that I really enjoyed, but I won't. Maybe after. But yeah, the homemade beef jerky. That was good stuff, yeah. Good stuff, yeah. Well, I'll hand it off. Hand it off. I don't want to steal the show, yeah. so here's the second Are second we- newbie.
3: <laughs> okay, so Kayla, second first or second newbie, I guess. Um, I would say Lesson learned, going along with the shoe theme, my Chacos finally failed me. Um, I lost my toenail in a portage through the mud, and it wasn't a fun experience. It hurt pretty bad. But yeah, so next time I'll be coming back with closed-toed sandals in hopes that I can keep all my toenails in the future um, most memorable experience, I would say maybe, like, our first portage, because I guess coming here, we, we only kind of hear what people say, and then actually seeing how it's done, and then doing it yourself, and we're like, oh, okay, we made it through the first one, okay, I think we got this now, (laughs) and then, like, slowly getting faster and faster, and being able to get out of the way as, you guys come along and not and you, you not always having to help us get into our boats oh anymore. Gosh, you guys became pros, <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Being able to finally do it at the end. Favorite meal would have to be the chipotle bowls and lentils. That was pretty good. There's no meat, but it was still very good. I don't think it actually needed meat. It was good as it was.
1: Yeah, and they were like.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it actually was really filling. I know, we've had a pretty some pretty good meals on this trip. Have to pick that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Good stuff. Oh, yes, first portages. Yeah, you guys became pros. There's no doubt. It's your turn, Andy. Oh,
2: fireman.
0: All right. My turn. So, this has been the second time we've brought out people for their first time. So I will start with a variation of the question, not necessarily most memorable, but I think most enjoyable part of the trip for me is to see new people come out and kind of grow in their skills Out here, whether it's paddling, portaging, just kind of camping in general. And just getting used to that that bare minimum life that Nolan was talking about. And growing an appreciation for it. Or at least uh, a reflection upon it. So it's always good to hear the reactions too when we do stuff like these Fire Talk Chats. I would say that lesson learned um that's an interesting one i feel like you always learn something new out here or whenever you come up for me at least you try and kind of grow in your skills to make you a bit more efficient up here so the one lesson that i learned which was kind of at home but also experienced up here was the j-stroke on my paddle (laughs)
1: <laughs> I knew, I knew you were going to say the J-stroke.
0: <laughs> it's made our paddling a bit more efficient because it keeps the boat straighter.
1: It was quite aggressive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was trying to get it down still. And then as I got it down, I I kind of concentrated a little bit too much on the stroke and not where we were going. So sometimes I overcorrected with the J-stroke. But... It was, it, it helped a lot too as I was fishing. Sarah always kind of keeps us going as the motor in front, and then I can kind of paddle in the back and keep us in a straight line or going on course. So, with the J-stroke or even ruddering a bit, I was able to keep my paddle on one side and my pole on the other and not get each of them in the way of each other. So I think that was a good lesson learned. Back to most memorable. I don't know, I'd say right now with the stars, it's pretty good out. Today, tonight's the first night on this trip that we've been able to have a clear sky at night and actually experience the stars as they're coming out in full force.
1: Yeah, and this new app that we're using shows us all of the constellations and planets.
0: Yeah, it's kind of neat. It's called the Star Tracker app. But yeah, favorite meal? Is that another question? That... That's
1: a question.
0: Or favorite food?
1: That's a question from Munchie Mama.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we started out with two questions, and then Munchie Mama added the third of food.
1: Well, I added all the questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we only prepared for two, though. Um, The favorite meal... Well, we didn't eat fish, because we threw them back, and then tonight we couldn't catch any. So... Let's see, Mountain House, the spaghetti and calzones, ooh. Yeah, that first night, spaghetti and then calzones. The calzones didn't cook quite right, but we still got them to cook up. And I think next time we just need to heat the fire up a little bit more. But that was delicious. Then with those cheesy garlic wraps too, we ate uh, real, real good that first night. That first day, I should say, because we had those mountain houses for lunch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we were feasting really hard, really hard. I think my favorite meal, yeah, everything was good. But actually what we just ate was pretty basic, just ramen and dehydrated vegetables. And it was really satisfying after the mountain house that we snacked on. (laughs) We almost didn't need to eat the mountain house But then we did because nobody caught fish For us to eat So it's a good thing we had those as backup From Nolan But the ramen was good It's a very chilly night So eating ramen Just kind of warms you up That was tasty
0: Yeah Tasty Now we are left with Minimal food Snack rations are gone, pretty much. That's another thing Sarah did. She rationed each of us a bag of snack rations for the whole trip. So that included our lunches, basically. And we did pretty good. Nobody overate. We got close.
1: Yeah.
0: It was a good amount.
1: Probably more than we typically have. But none of us starved.
0: We're still alive.
1: <laughs> so, I was discussing how there's always something that you learn when you come to the Boundary Waters. And this was our fourth time up in the Boundary Waters. And like I said, my lesson was to check my shoes. But also reflecting back, I realized how... Awesome it is to have dry shoes at camp. Typically, I just bring my portaging sandals and that's it, and I just deal with wet shoes or I walk around in socks. But after trying these slippers that Nolan raved about too in the Fire Talk Jets, realizing like you can you can have dry feet in the Boundary Waters at camp, it was really luxurious, and this was the first summer that I've actually experienced that because. In my mind, I just have like this backpacker's mind, I think, and I'm like, let's have the most minimal weight we can when we're portaging. But really, it's important to note that portages can be really short, and you don't have to always go for minimal weight. Especially on this trip, our portages were pretty quick. So.
0: Well, I think too that the incentive to have dry feet could have been due to the colder weather that we had this trip versus previous years. I felt like The nights and evenings were pretty cold on this trip. I mean, the nights got down to like 40 degrees, so it was pretty chilly some mornings when we woke up, and I think having those dry shoes or dry footwear, instead of just putting on a pair of wool socks and putting your wet um, sandals back on like you used to do.
1: Yeah, it definitely was the coldest. We were in all of our layers during our fire talk chats on that last night. I think I had three shirts on, leggings, and my my pants. So, and hat, and mittens.
0: Yeah, the days, though, were pretty warm, so that was nice. I mean, we were in long sleeves a couple days, but the sun was out and all of that, except for our trip back, which we mentioned earlier. It rained and was windy and all of that. But thinking back to what was said at the Fire Talk chats, I really enjoyed how Nolan said his kind of lesson learned was how simple life can be and how simple life out there is. You know, you're just bringing the essentials of what you need on a trip like the Boundary Waters or sometimes what we're used to in backpacking. It's really neat and I really love hearing from people their own discovery of what that is and kind of that shift in their personal thinking of like, man, life is a lot simpler. I don't really kind of need all of that stuff that I left behind when I did come into the wilderness here.
1: And like going with people's thinking, like I loved how Kayla said her first portage was the most memorable because that got me thinking back to our very first portage three years ago and it was kind of a mess because we had nobody kind of coaching us on what to do. We had odds and ends and just so many loose things, but that truly was one of the most memorable portages. I just remember being so, so frazzled. But the thing about bringing first timers out is we can kind of coach them and prepare them for their first portage. But she said it's one of those things you hear about, but you really don't know what it's like until you experience it yourself. I love being able to tell people what it could be like and get a little bit of an idea in their minds.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to be said about the experience versus just watching or reading you know, other people's accounts of it or instructions on like how to, you know, carry a canoe overhead or how to paddle a canoe and work together as a team. So like that's really, really kind of invigorating for us when we do take new people out is just to watch them grow, you know, as a team, as individuals. And that discovery of new skills, that discovery of that whole mindset of the basics and kind of switching back towards that, I really love seeing that in the people that we do bring out for their first times. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to bringing more family, friends, and even others out for their very first times. And hopefully they find as much enjoyment as Kaylin Nolan did on their first time.
1: And if you are going out for your first time, seriously, canoe ties are a lifesaver. Those are gear ties. S- gear ties. Those are something a random person gave to us on our very first portage three years ago after he saw us struggling through our first portage. And we share those with all of our first timers because they're such a lifesaver.
0: Yeah, you can use those to either. What we do is attach our paddles to the canoe um, so that we can portage without having that extra hand needed to carry the paddles. But you can do all sorts of other things with them, too. You can attach gear to your pack on the outside of your pack. You can, you know, attach your life vest off the back of your pack or something like that. You know, so there's so many different uses for them. They're basically just huge twist ties that are very durable and they're very useful as well
1: yeah and definitely something that we did not even cross our minds before that amazing person shared his with us so pass on your your lessons and people will be just very thankful for them thanks for listening We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop.
0: Use the code PODCAST and receive 10% off your first order.
1: You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.